Biden can't remember where he is or what he is doing, but his White House is doing an awful lot, and the CDC deigns to allow the vaccinated just a little bit of freedom. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from big tech with a VPN I trust. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, the word is out. People are abandoning. They're overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same coverage, but at a fraction of the price. That's correct. If you're with Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, switching to Pure Talk could save your family over $800 a year. And switching is super easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month, which is a hell of a deal. And here's the thing. If you go over on the data, they're not going to charge you for it, so you really have nothing to lose. There's a reason Pure Talk is the highest-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs. Stop giving your money to overpriced wireless carriers and instead start saving money. From your cell phone, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro, and you will save 50% off your first month. That is pound 250, say Ben Shapiro, and get involved with Pure Talk. A lot of other wireless carriers that really don't make clear what exactly you are buying. They try to confuse you when you ask them to describe the billing plan and all that. Not so with Pure Talk. Instead, you know exactly what you're getting. Unlimited talk, text, six gigs of data, 30 bucks a month, and you go over on data. They're not going to charge you for it. Right now, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. You save 50% off your first month. Pound 250, say Ben Shapiro to get involved with Pure Talk USA. All righty. So Joe Biden is not with us. Joe Biden has not been with us for some time. And I remember back during the campaign, if you said this out loud, people would suggest that you were being an ageist. How could you possibly? Where are the indicators that Joe Biden is not with us? Where are the indicators that Joe Biden is falling apart, that his health is obviously not excellent upstairs, that that attic, the lights are not all on, that not all the marbles are there, that he's now like toodles from Hook? Can't find his marbles. Well, I mean, it's like right in front of you guys. He ain't all there. So yesterday... Joe Biden, the president of the United States, God help us, he was doing a speech and he literally forgot who the secretary of defense was and also that he was at the Pentagon and also what is going on in the world. We have an inanimate object for president of the United States. And honestly, listen, I made the case during the campaign and long before the campaign, I mean, as early as 2017, the best candidate Democrats could run was an inanimate object because you put up an inanimate object against Trump and it becomes a referendum on Trump. And then the inanimate object doesn't actually have to govern. You just put a bunch of old Obama staffers around him and they'll just govern like Obama would, except with the inanimate object as the front. And here's the thing about the inanimate object. He's non-threatening. Nobody finds Joe Biden to be particularly scary or threatening, mainly because your houseplant is also not scary or threatening and has about the same level of liveliness as Joe Biden. Here was Joe Biden, president houseplant yesterday, completely not. I mean, he, he does not know what is going on around him. It's amazing. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the, the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him general, but my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we've just talked about. Hmm. Do you mean Lloyd Austin, your secretary of defense? And the thing over there, is that, is that the Pentagon? The thing over there? <laughs> you know, where they, where they, you know, the thing. Okay, so we elected an inanimate object. And I get it. I do. I understand. A lot of Americans, they're like, you know what? I'm tired of all this hubbub. I'm tired of all this commotion. I'm tired of the tweets. Instead, how about we just elect this corpse? This corpse that is barely walking around. And we'll pretend like he's cool and the media will will put him in a car and let him drive around like his weekend at Bernie's and it'll all be great. 
And then he'll get in and maybe things will relax. But here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Just because Joe Biden is inanimate does not mean that his administration is inanimate. In fact, he is the most transformational dead person I've ever seen in my life. It's incredible. I mean, for a person who's not actually ambulatory at this point, he's getting an awful lot done. And it's something to wonder about because what this means is that effectively speaking, the United States has a caretaker government. Right now, the United States, and this has been true for quite a while, the president is basically a figurehead. You have a bunch of administrators who actually do all the hard work. There are a bunch of people around the president who actually do policy. And the president's job is just to be the person who goes out there and says things. That's pretty much it. And nobody expects the president to be a policymaker, to, to compromise, to actually shape policy. The president is just there for us to see him. He's sort of like the empath in chief. This is why Biden is appealing. It's why he has a 60% approval rating right now. Because people look at Biden, and again, He's not threatening, and he appears to be empathetic in the way that your grandparents at the old age home wants to hear about your life. Joe Biden wants to hear about your life. And meanwhile, in the background, all the administrators are doing all the work that, you know, completely shifts the nature of the bound between government and the individual. None of this is going to change, by the way. This is the model. It's also one of the reasons why the Democratic Party is actually kind of reliant on Biden, because the minute that Biden goes away and Kamala Harris, a far more, a far more threatening politician, is in charge, meaning that you can actually see her radicalism. Right? Painting Biden as a radical is a difficult task because Biden doesn't appear to be radical because, again, neither does this cup, right? I mean, like, things that are just not moving and barely can speak are not typically perceived to be extremely threatening. But Kamala Harris says things and laughs crazily and is much more threatening to the American public just in terms of optics, not because of race and not because of sex, obviously, just because, as a politician, she doesn't appear to be moderate in any way, which is why she was a complete failure in the Democratic primaries. So the Democratic Party is reliant on the continuation of the Trojan horse. The Trojan horse is necessary. You need the face of the Trojan horse. And they're going to preserve Joe Biden as long as they can here. They're not going to they're going to continue to pretend that Joe Biden is with it and, and completely OK. And the way they will do this is by minimizing the amount of time he spends in public. They did this during the campaign. The pandemic was a great help in this. Biden was not expected to be on the campaign trail where he never had the risk of a Bob Dole falling off a stage moment. He never had to risk the possibility of Hillary Clinton collapsing into a car. Instead, he just sat in his basement for six months and did nothing and watched Matlock and became president of the United States. And that will be the plan for his administration. Every so often, they'll wheel him out and he will say a thing and then he'll be wheeled right back down to the White House basement. Jen Psaki basically said this. She was asked if Joe Biden is going to do press conferences. Now, I remember when Donald Trump not doing press conferences himself for a long time, this was considered bad form. Now Joe Biden's like, I'm never going to talk to the press again or answer a question. And in fact, if I say so much as maybe I'll answer questions, my own aides will cut off the feed. They literally did this last week. We played the clip. Here's Jen Psaki saying, I'm not sure that Joe Biden's ever going to answer questions again. I mean, Joe Biden is just a figure in a wax museum at this point. He has done about about 40 Q&As since he took office. But in terms of a uh, formal press conference, which I understand there's a big focus on, yes, we will have one before the end of the month. And what does it mean going forward? Will we see more of President Biden? Um, specifically? More than 40 Q&As in the last month? or Where he will be submitted to more extensive questions, follow-ups, the kind of thing we're doing today. Um, will, will we see him regularly? I don't know that you'll see him more than 40 times a month, but I'll have to tell I'm happy to ask him that question. OK, now that is uh, that is such a, a, a lie by omission that he's done 40 Q&A's. The questions in these Q&A's are pre-screened. Very often they are pre-screened by the White House press corps. I mean, by, by the White House press secretary's office. This has been widely reported. And when, when, when Joe Biden is being asked questions, there are no follow ups. 
Again, this is all you must protect this fragile mask for a radical movement underneath, because what's happening in terms of policy is extremely radical. Very, very radical indeed. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that if you are living with any type of chronic pain, it is extremely annoying. So until I was about 30, I never thought about this sort of stuff. Then once you get 30, suddenly you're exercising and you just get this nagging pain and it won't go away. I'll tell you something I have been using that is absolutely fantastic. I'm talking about cryo-free sport roll-ons developed by our friends over at Omax. Omax's new sport formulation includes a deeply penetrating potent punch of 8.5% of FDA-approved menthol levels to instantly ice out and block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part? This 100% natural remedy works its magic within five minutes of application. Relief lasts up to eight hours, much longer than the -the over-the-counter stuff. You're going to immediately feel less stiffness, more mobility. Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free sport pain relief roll-on. This discount also applies toward any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today. Enter code Ben. That is omax, O-M-A-X, health.com. Enter code Ben to get 20% off cryo-free sport and site-wide. It's clinically tested. It is scientifically proven. The product reviews speak for themselves. 95% five-star reviews page after page of customers saying they've tried everything. Simply roll it on where it hurts and ice out the pain. Cryo-free sport works within five minutes, improves physical training, recovery, performance. Go to omaxhealth.com, enter code Ben. Get 20% off cryo-freeze sport and site-wide. The product is the real deal. I work out a lot, and I got to tell you, I, I hit the Omax a lot. The cryo-freeze sport is very useful to me. It will be to you as well. Head on over to omaxhealth.com, enter code Ben. Get 20% off site-wide. Okay, so the stimulus bill that was just unleashed, this $1.9 trillion monstrosity that was just unleashed by the federal government, is a radical shift in the nature of the relationship between the government and the individual. It involves a massive bailout to all of the states and localities that have done a horrible job running their own business. It has also created essentially a brand new welfare program. Okay, the welfare program rolls back welfare reform. Welfare reform in the 1990s was designed to get people off the welfare rolls and encourage people to work. And there was a lot of talk at the time, well, this is going to create child poverty. It didn't create child poverty. All it did was push people back to work. Well, the new plan from Joe Biden, this stimulus bill essentially creates a, a baseline universal basic income for people with kids. Now, it is not connected to work. It is not connected to unemployment. It is not connected to anything. It's a new entitlement, okay? And the way that you can tell it's a new entitlement is the way the media are talking about it. It's supposed to sunset next year, but Republicans are then gonna be in the position of saying, okay, it needs to go away. And Democrats know this, which is why they passed it in the first place. The New York Times calls it a policy revolution in aid for children. According to Jason DeParle, a year ago, Anique Hope, a single mother in suburban Atlanta, was working as a letter carrier, running a side business, catering picnics, and settling into a rent-to-own home in Stone Mountain, Georgia, where she thought her boys would flourish in class and excel on the football field. Then the pandemic closed the schools, the boys' grades collapsed with distance learning, she quit work to stay home in hopes of breaking their fall. Unexpected unemployment aid, expecting unemployment aid that never came, she lost her utilities, ran short on food, was recovering from an immobilizing bout of COVID when a knock brought marshals with eviction papers. Depending on when the snapshot is dated, Ms. Hope might appear as a striving emblem of upward mobility or a mother on the verge of homelessness. But in either guise, she's among the people Democrats seek to help with a mold-breaking plan on the verge of congressional passage to provide most parents a monthly check of up to $300 per child. Obscured by other parts of President Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus package, the child benefit has the makings of a policy revolution. See, this is the thing. There's a lot in there. Okay, it is not just that people who are unemployed get checks. That would make some sense. Right? If you're talking about the government forcing people into unemployment lines, then the government compensating them for forcing them into unemployment lines makes some sense. That is a taking. When the government takes your job, the government has to compensate you for the taking of your job. Okay, But what we are talking about now is setting up 
what is effectively a permanent welfare program. Though framed in technocratic terms as an, expansion of, as an expansion of an existing tax credit, it's essentially a guaranteed income for families with kids akin to children's allowances that are common in other rich countries. It's just like Europe. So that means it's good. And the basic idea here is that the child tax credit, which used to be applied against the taxes you paid, right? That's why it's called a tax credit. If you didn't pay taxes, you didn't get the child tax credit. Well, now it doesn't matter whether you pay taxes. You still get what we're going to lie about and call a tax credit. It's not a tax credit. because You're not paying taxes. It's just a redistribution check. The plan establishes the benefit for a single year, but if it becomes permanent, says the New York Times, as Democrats intend, it will greatly enlarge the safety net for the poor and the middle class at a time when the volatile modern economy often leaves families moving between those groups. More than 93% of children, 69 million, would receive benefits under the plan at a one-year cost of more than $100 billion. It raises the maximum benefit most families will receive by up to 80% per child, extends it to millions of families whose earnings are currently too low to qualify under existing law, because again, it was a child tax credit. So they're just backdooring. Right? They're saying this is not a, a chi- it's, it's not a child tax credit anymore. Now it is a check. Now, one of the things that the government did in the 1960s is they dramatically increased the single motherhood rate in both the black and the white communities. In, the, in, in 1960, the black single motherhood rate was 20%. Today, it's in excess of 70%. In the white community, the white single motherhood rate was somewhere on the order of 5%. Today, it's in excess of 40%. That is specifically because of welfare policies that incentivize people to have kids and not have a husband in the home. Because if the income got too high, you didn't, get the, you didn't get the credit from the welfare program. This is not quite that, but the similarities are pretty stunning. While the current program distributes money annually as a tax reduction to families with income tax liability or a check to those too poor to owe income taxes, the new program would set both groups' monthly checks to provide a more stable cash flow. By the standards of previous, aid's debate, of previous aid debates, opposition has been surprisingly muted. The bill hasn't won any Republican votes, but critics have focused on other elements of the rescue package. Some conservatives call the child benefit welfare and warn that it's going to bust budgets and weaken incentives to work or to marry, which of course is correct. When the government becomes a parent and essentially is footing all your bills, then your incentive to actually create an upwardly mobile family unit is greatly lessened. You see less income mobility, less family formation, less productive I would say less productive trajectory for children in a situation in which the government plays father. It's a problem. Okay, but Democrats are pushing that forward. So it's a reversion back to 1960s standards of how the war on poverty was to be fought. By the way, we have now spent $22 trillion in the war on poverty over the course of the war on poverty, and we have not budged the percentage of people who are living below the poverty line in the United States pretty much at all. The economic shock and racial protests of the past year brought new momentum. To the plan, says the New York Times, whose reach, while broad, would especially help black and Latino families who are crucial to the Democrats' coalition. Okay, so in other words, it's a specialized giveaway to a particular voting bloc that Biden wants to help out. Mr. Biden's embrace of the subsidies is a leftward shift for a Democratic Party that made deep cuts in cash aid in the 90s under the theme of ending welfare. As a senator, Biden supported the 1996 welfare restrictions. As recently as August, his campaign was noncommittal about the child benefit. Now, the president promotes projections that the monthly checks up to 300 bucks for young children and 250 bucks for those over five would cut poverty by 45% for children and by more than 50% among black families. Okay, so here's the question. Is that true? Because we've had these sorts of benefits before. It has not cut poverty. It turns out that you can sign checks to these families and that doesn't mean that poverty is going to be cut in the end because in order to get out of poverty, you actually have to make a series of decisions that get you out of poverty over time. It is not merely a question of signing people checks. If it were merely a question of signing people checks, again, $22 trillion spent over the last 60 years in the United States would have been a pretty good way to alleviate poverty. It has not alleviated poverty in the United States. In fact, the black middle class was growing faster in the 1950s than it has after that, thanks largely to the intervention of the federal government in welfare programs like this. But again, 
This is the kind of policy that Joe Biden is now pushing, or at least his administration is, while he's asleep on the couch or at the Denny's for the early bird dinner. So that, that is a major policy shift for Biden. And of course, he's going to be championing that tonight. He's going to deliver a primetime address on Thursday, actually, marking the first anniversary of the virus restrictions. And he's going to champion his own role in overcoming the virus. Now, here's the thing. His own role in overcoming the virus has been pretty limited. And you want an indicator of just what Joe Biden has done on a personal level? There are supposed to be 100 mass vaccination sites set up by the federal government by the end of February. By the end of February, there were seven. The, the, the systems were in place. It is governors who have been doing the heavy lifting here. All the federal government could do was help actually obtain the vaccines and the dosages. Any federal government worth its salt would have done all of that. But you're going to see a, a victory lap here by Joe Biden. And again, this is a heady time because we're spending all the money. And that's fine. We're going to spend all the money and it's going to be all be great because we're going to spend all the money. We did this in the 60s. Okay, in the 1960s, we blew out the spending. If you look at the growth rates in the early 60s and GDP in the American economy, very, very high. That was because the rest of the world had been devastated by World War II. They were still trying to move beyond their own socialistic policies. Many, many of them had to curb them, those policies. In the 1960s, the United States decided it was going to become a social democratic country. It was going to become much more European in its view of the welfare state. We blew out the domestic spending. We actually blew out military spending as well for a period there. And we ended up with the stagnation of the 1970s, an awful time for economics, so bad that there was a backlash in the form of the Reagan revolution in the 1980s. So that is what we are about to relive. We're basically just reliving the mid-1960s to late-1970s. And this began over the course of the past couple of years with the, with the pandemic. It began with the, with the racial protests and riots in America's major cities. It feels very much like about 1968 right now. It feels a lot like that in terms of where we are and what the next decade is going to look like. And of course, Joe Biden is in on it. I mean, he's, he's loving this stuff. And it's not just Joe Biden's stimulus plan that is a major move. Joe Biden is also moving to kill due process on college campuses. So one of the good moves by the Trump administration, Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos, had put in place due process rules on college campuses. If a, if a guy, if a man, a young man, was accused of sexual assault, he actually had due process on his college campus. He had the right to face his accuser. He had the ability to actually bring evidence to defend himself. Joe Biden is going to roll all of that back. So we're going to go back to the kangaroo courts that were that were the, the presumptive rule under Barack Obama, where if somebody accused you, that was tantamount to guilt, and now you could be expelled from campus. According to the New York Times, President Biden on Monday directed the Education Department to conduct an expansive review of all policies on sex and gender discrimination and violence in schools, effectively beginning his promised effort to dismantle Trump-era rules on sexual misconduct that afforded greater protections to students accused of assault. Now, we used to believe in this country in due process of law. On college campuses, due process of law does not apply. Democrats don't want it to apply. And now they're actually mandating under Title IX that due process not apply. With two executive orders, one ordering the new education secretary to review the policies, the other establishing a gender-focused White House policy council, Mr. Biden, an author of the Violence Against Women Act, waded into an area that has been important to him but has been politically charged for more than a decade. The Obama administration issued guidance to schools, colleges, and universities that critics in and out of academia said leaned too heavily toward accusers and offered scant protections or due process for students and faculty accused of sexual harassment, assault, or other misconduct. The Trump administration swept those aside, delivered the first ever regulations on sexual misconduct. It is unclear whether Biden's review of all policies under Title IX, a 1972 law prohibiting sex-based discrimination in federally funded schools, will return to the Obama administration's approach or find some middle ground. Um, they're not making it clear, but it's going to go back to the Obama approach. Because remember, this is just Obama's third term. Biden ain't sentient. Okay, Everybody around him is, Ob is an Obama holdover. Every single person, everyone around him 
is an, is an Obama holdover. This is Obama's third term. So we are going to return to the bad old days when anybody who was accused of a sexual harassment or a sexual assault receives no due process on college campuses. Jennifer Klein is leading the reestablished White House Gender Policy Council with Jalisa Reynoso, the chief of staff to Joe Biden. She told reporters on Monday, everybody involved in a sexual complaint accused an accuser was entitled to due process. But that's not right. Okay, that, that is not what they believe. Instead, what they believe is that sexual harassment should be broadly defined. There should be no cross-examination and schools don't have to find beyond a reasonable doubt or even beyond preponderance of the evidence. Basically, a claim is tantamount to guilt. That is what we are going back to. That is a major shift in policy. Okay, meanwhile, the Biden administration continues to push forward the idea that men are women and women are men. So we have a gender policy council in which the rights of women are supposed to be upheld by declaring that men can be women, which is super exciting stuff. Jen Psaki is now saying that for Biden, boys racing against girls in sports, that's a human right. This is the White House press secretary. The president's position on the rights of transgender kids to play sports is clear. He signed an executive order uh, and he believes transgender rights are human rights and wants to see kids uh, have the opportunity to play sports and participate in a range of activities. So it is a human right for boys to participate in sports against girls so long as they believe that they are girls. That is a human right. These are major policy shifts. Because remember, when they say that that's a human right, what they also mean is that if a boy identifies as a girl in your house and that boy goes to school, to a public school, that the school should be allowed to prescribe puberty blockers to the kid without your permission. We know this because the Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services, Dr. Rachel Levine, has said as much to Roger Severino, former staffer at the Trump administration. Okay, this is, this is madness, but this is going to be federal policy. This is a, a transformational presidency under the guise of a dead person under the guise of a person who is not with us. That, of course, is the entire draw. There is something quite perverse, by the way, about the Gender Policy Council in favor of women suggesting that men can be women. Sort of undercuts the generalized point, you would think, but apparently not. And in just a second, we'll get to more of this first. Let's talk about your sleep quality. So I will admit to you, my kids are just killing me. And my kid, so my, my baby, she is, uh, we are getting her off the pacifier, which means that she's been getting up for an hour every night and screaming. And then this morning, my kids decided it would be fun to get up at five o'clock in the morning for no reason at all. Well, this is one reason that I treasure the moments when I actually can sleep. And in order for me to sleep properly, I need my pillow. My pillow products, they don't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want. They maintain their shape. Best of all, they're made right here in the United States. If you don't have a my pillow or you know somebody who doesn't, now is the time to get one. Because for a limited time, MyPillow is offering their premium MyPillows for their lowest price ever. You can get a queen-size premium MyPillow, regularly $69.98 for just $29.98. That is 40 bucks in savings. Kings are only $5 more. Folks, now is a great time to buy. Not only are you getting the lowest price ever, they are the best gifts ever. $29.98 for a queen-size premium MyPillow. Head on over to MyPillow.com. Click on that radio listener square. There you will find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, the MyPillow Mattress Topper, and MyPillow Towel Sets, or call 800-651-1148. Use promo code DAILYWIRE. That's 800-651-1148. Go check them out right now. Okay, so the radical shifts in policy that are taking place under the Biden administration are indeed quite radical. And we're all supposed to ignore this because Biden has cute dogs. By the way, side note on Joe Biden's dogs, apparently those cute doggies, you know, like he slipped in the shower and he hurt his foot because he was chasing his dog naked around. Like Again, this is the president. And we've had, it's been a wild ride here the past few years, I gotta say. This is like having a, um, having a guy who chases his dog around the bathroom naked to grab its tail and breaks his foot 
and then can't remember anyone who was around him. We're either living in the, in the world's darkest sitcom or the world's funniest tragedy. I'm not really sure which. In any case, worth noting, the two German shepherds belonging to President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden, I can't, wait, hold on. Dr. Jill Biden, CNN. Cut that crap right now. We returned to the Biden family home in Delaware last week after aggressive behavior at the White House involving Major Biden. Major, who was adopted by Biden in November 2018 from a Delaware animal shelter, had what one of the people described as a biting incident with a member of White House security. The exact condition of the victim is unknown, but the episode was serious enough the dogs were subsequently moved to Wilmington, Delaware, where they remain. Uh, man, I can't believe they're this cruel to the dog. I mean, I have, I have the, the cruelty to animals here. I remember when Mitt Romney strapped a dog to the top of his car and it was a presidential story. I remember when Ted Cruz left his dogs in the care of an actual dog sitter while he was in Cancun, Mexico, and that was him being cruel to the dog. Here, you have biting incidents and the dog's being sent back home to Delaware, but it's okay because after all, you know, it's Joe Biden, so who cares? I mean, he likes ice cream. Meanwhile, the policy gets more and more radical. Jen Klein, the head of the White House Gender Policy Council, because this is what we do now. We just divvy up Americans by immutable characteristic, and then we decide how reality should conform to the demands of the wokest among us. She says, maybe we should add a third gender to federal forums. Yeah, that'll be clarifying. That makes perfect sense. Actually, I have a question. Why, why a third? I've been informed that there are 57 genders. Frankly, according to the description of gender theorists, I don't understand why there aren't infinite genders. If gender is a complete spectrum, that means that you should be able to name your, you should be able to change and name your gender at any time of any day. And since we no longer care about objectively verifiable data, why a third gender? Why not like a million genders? I mean, if you want to identify as an attack helicopter today, you should be able to do so. And I believe you should be able to do so on federal forums. Frankly, I find this this whole conversation panphobic. We are we are now phobic, we are phobic of people who are pangender and or we are phobic of actual metal hardware pans that you click eggs in. One of those two things. Anyway, here's Jen Klein from the rostrum of the White House press room yesterday saying maybe we should add more genders to federal forms. Yes, this is definitely going to help things. The president and the vice president campaigned during the election on giving a third gender option on federal government IDs to individuals who want them. Does the president see value in signing an executive order to make that happen? I haven't looked yet to see whether that requires an executive order. I mean, I would note that we are um, very inclusive in our definition of gender, um, and we intend to address all sorts of discrimination and, you know, fight for equal rights for um, people, whether that's LGBTQ plus people, women, girls, uh, men. Um, So, you know, that's certainly um, something that we will look at. Okay, you're not going to fight for the rights of men. Unless you're fighting for the right of a man to identify as a woman, then I, I assume that you'll fight for that in contravention to the needs of women. By the way, it, it is incredible how LGBTQ plus has become just a giant phrase that we all say together. And the reality is that there are significant internal distinctions between each one of these groups in terms of the view of sex and gender. It is very difficult to make the case for lesbian and gay, which, which are fully reliant on the idea that there are distinctions that matter between the two sexes and transgender, which assumes that all, all distinctions between the sexes are completely arbitrary. Right? There's an ideological distinction there that is completely glossed over in the desire to tear down fundamental institutions of our society because all that matters is tearing down the institutions. I tweeted yesterday that we don't have in the United States a, a culture and a counterculture. What we just have is an anti-culture. Right? We have an entire political and media culture designed to, to just destroy old institutions. It is not about building anything new. It is not about creating some sort of alternative is about just destroying what is there. That's all this is. And when you're talking about 
nonsensical stuff the way that people are talking about nonsensical stuff. Uh, that, that, that can only be seen as a sort of deconstructionist attempt to get rid of institutions, which is what Jen Klein is, is talking about right there. Meanwhile, Joe Biden pushing radical immigration policy as well. His immigration policy is pretty obvious. Open the borders and let everybody come. This has some pretty dire side effects, by the way. But even New York Times reporters at this point are acknowledging that migrants are showing up en masse on the southern border, specifically because of Joe Biden. I was actually just at the border and some of the families I spoke to who had uh, recently arrived did say that another reason is the transition to a new administration. Hmm. They perceive hmm. President Biden, who campaigned on a more compassionate approach to the border than his predecessor, as potentially being more lenient at the border. So, um, yes, I mean, that's perfectly obvious. By the way, the, the unintended side effect of this is that, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, Joe Biden is keeping kids in cages. Now, I'm old enough to remember, because I, again, I'm more than three years old. I'm old enough to remember when having to house kids in temporary detainment facilities was considered Nazi-esque, right? Donald Trump was a Nazi. This was Nazi Germany, America. Well, now we know that kids are being, they are being held in cages, literal cages. Okay, the New York Times reporting, a surge in migrant children detained at border is straining shelters. Quote, the number of unaccompanied migrant children detained along the southern border has tripled in the last two weeks to more than 3,250, filling facilities akin to jails. I love how they say this, right? Facilities akin to jails. What what might we call a facility akin to a jail? What is is there is there some, could we look to the thesaurus, please? Facility akin to a jail. Oh, you, you're talking about kids in cages. That's what you mean. That's what you mean, New York Times. As the Biden administration struggles to find room for them in shelters, according to documents obtained by the New York Times. More than 1,360 of the children have been detained beyond the 72 hours permitted by law before a child must be transferred to a shelter, according to one of the documents dated March 8th. You mean we have over a thousand children? are being held in cages in defiance of federal law because you don't have the resources? You know who else did this? Had a little mustache, spoke German. Yep. Yep. You know who I'm talking about. The figures highlight the growing pressure on President Biden to address the increased number of people trying to cross the border in the belief he will be more welcoming to them than former President Donald J. Trump was. Yes, even the New York Times is acknowledging that this is all about Joe Biden saying we are going to let everybody in. When you tell everybody that you're going to let them in and just give them asylum and they're going to release them into the interior, what the hell do you think is going to happen? These are radical policy, policy shifts, guys. We're going back to the welfare policy of the 1960s. We're going back to the immigration policies, essentially, of, of, of amnesty, like full-scale amnesty. Come to the border and we will let you in. And we are going to, the gender going to gender policies that are so radical that they would have been beyond the radical feminists of the 1990s. That is, that is where we have gone. And all of this is being done as a non as a non-functional member of the of the upper echelon of American politics stumbles around into objects and chases after his dog naked. That is what we are as a society. That is what we have become. A non-sentient person is now running administration. He he ain't running it, right? It runs itself. It runs itself because all we do every four years is just elect the team of administrators who are going to dictate our lives. Meanwhile, other transformational changes. The, the Democrats are pushing forward H.R. 1. We've discussed this on the program before. This is a radical shift to how voting is going to be done in the country. Now, remember, according to the Democrats, there was no voter fraud and no voter irregularity in the last election cycle. It was the cleanest election in American history, according to Democrats. And it, that's why it resulted in a Joe Biden win, because it was such a clean election. Well, now Democrats are claiming we need a massive overhaul of every voting system in the United States, which is weird, since if you guys are so concerned about voter fraud and irregularity, why exactly are you doing this? H.R. 1 is not merely a vote broadening procedure. 
H.R. 1 is a complete overthrow of the Federalist structure with regard to voting and is an attempt, it is an attempt to backfill American voting law so as to make it easier for people to commit voter fraud and irregularity. That's what H.R. 1 is. That is being pushed by the Biden administration as well. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let us talk about the fact that you know, if you're a dude, at a certain point in your life, you're probably going to start losing your hair. I'm, and it's earlier than you think. You think, oh, well, my dad lost his hair in his 40s. Wrong. He started losing it in his 30s. If you're not thinking about it right now, you're missing out because once that hair is gone, very difficult to bring back. This is why you need the help of the folks over at Hims. Hims is helping dudes be the best version of themselves with licensed medical providers and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. No snake oil pills, no gas station counter supplements. Hims was created by a dude who knows some men's health conversations are easier online than in person. No more awkward in-person doctor's visits or long pharmacy lines. For Hims connects you to licensed medical professionals online. I could save you hours. It's completely confidential. It is discreet. Answer a few quick questions. A medical professional will review. And if they determine it's right for you, they can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door. Today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. Right now, my listeners can get their first visit absolutely free. Go to forhims.com slash Ben. That is forhims.com slash Ben. Prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Remember, that is forhims.com slash Ben. All right, we're gonna get to much more in just a second, including the Biden administration now announcing that they will allow you a dollop, just a dollop of freedom if you've gotten a vaccination. First, last November, we made a major announcement. We announced the one and only Candace Owens would be joining the Daily Wire family with a brand new show. Well, folks, the long wait is finally over. I'm thrilled to announce Daily Wire's newest show, Candace, will be premiering next Friday, March 19th, next Friday. Okay, it's coming up very fast. No one triggers the left quite like Candace, whether she is slamming Harry Styles for wearing a dress or getting into a Twitter war with Cardi B. Many have tried to cancel Candace. All have failed. And I've known Candace uh, for quite a while, and she is definitely a controversy magnet. In 2018, Candace kicked off the Blexit Foundation, which aims to change the narrative that surrounds America's minority communities. She's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democrat Plantation. You can get to know Candace, the real Candace every week. You know, not the caricature the media want to create of Candace as she shares her humor, her insight, as she defies the stereotypes. It starts next Friday, March 19th. Candace will be exclusive to Daily Wire members. You got to be a member. If you aren't a member yet, go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace for 25% off. That is dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace for 25% off. Again, this is your reminder. Candace Owens has a brand new show only, only at Daily Wire. And you can only access it if you are a member. We have so much good stuff for our members, right? Now we have movies and we have Candace's show. We're going to have a movie with Gina. We have like tons of stuff coming for you. Become a member right now. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace and get 25% off. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So what is in HR1? What is in this, this massive new voting bill that Democrats are pushing forward? According to National Review, it would be an understatement to describe HR1 as a radical assault on American democracy, federalism, and free speech. It is actually several radical left-wing wish lists stuffed into a single 791-page sausage casing. It would override hundreds of state laws governing the orderly conduct of elections, federalize control of voting and elections to a degree without precedent in American history, end two centuries of state power to draw congressional districts, turn the Federal Elections Commission into a partisan weapon, and massively burden political speech against the government while offering government handouts to congressional campaigns and campus activists. Merely to describe the bill is to damn it, and describing it is a Herculean task in itself. States have long experienced running elections. Different states have taken different approaches. The federal government traditionally intervened only to prevent serious abuses of voting rights. 
HR1 would upend that balance for no good reason, wrecking carefully refined state regimes for securing the vote. It also throws out much of the work of federal election laws passed with extensive bipartisan support in 1993 and 2002. The first target is wiping out state laws that allow voters to be checked against a pre-existing list of registrations. HR1 mandates states provide same-day registration and allow people to change their name and address on the rolls at the polling place on election day, then forbid states from treating their votes as provisional ballots that can be checked later which is a recipe for massive voter fraud. It mandates online registration without adequate safeguards against hackers. It mandates automated, reg automated registration of people who apply for unemployment, Medicaid, Obamacare, and college, or who are coming out of prison. Right? So basically, anybody who's government dependent is going to be automatically registered to vote, which you can see why Democrats are pushing this. The bill's authors expect this to register non-citizens. They create a safe harbor against prosecution of non-citizens who report they have been erroneously registered. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values. And that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So... I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I tell you that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Third. State voter ID laws are banned. They're replaced simply by a sworn voter statement. The dramatic expansion of mail-in voting during COVID is enshrined permanently in federal law. States are banned from the most elementary security methods for mail-in ballots. They must provide a ballot to everyone without asking for ID and may not require notarization or witness to signatures. States are compelled to permit ballot harvesting so long as the harvesters are not paid per ballot. So Democrats can just pay per hour and you just go pick up a bunch of Democrat ballots. Curbside voting, ballot drop boxes, 15 days of early voting are mandated nationwide. The bill micromanages the location and hours of polling stations, early voting locations, and drop boxes. States must accept voter registrations from 16-year-olds, even though they can't vote before turning 18. The bill shifts the job of signing up young voters to the federal government, which will pay to teach 12th graders how to register, create a campus vote coordinator position on college campuses, and award grants to colleges for demonstrated excellence in registering students to vote. Restrictions on felon, vote, felon voting in federal elections are overridden. And H.R. 1 takes the drawing of congressional districts out of the hands of elected state legislatures who have done the job since the founding and turns them over to quote-unquote independent commissions. It also counts inmates as residents of their last address, even if they are serving a life sentence. And there are crackdowns on political speech. One provision could be read to bar corporations from political activity if they have a single foreign shareholder. New disclosure rules would treat huge amounts of speech and advertising as if they were campaign contributions. This would require donors to say the AARP, to be identified as supporters of any candidate if the AARP demands the candidate keep a promise to protect Social Security. 501c4s would be required to disclose their donors. I mean, it's a mess. It's a complete mess. And this is what's being pushed forward by the Biden administration. So moderate, so much unity. You can see it happening. Now, if you get the feeling that these folks just want to control your life in pretty much every way and then rig the system so that they always win elections through ballot harvesting and through unverified ba ballots and, and make it less, less trustworthy. Okay, remember, I am not one of the people who thought that voter fraud and irregularity decided the 2020 election. In fact, I spoke out against that idea. 
I didn't think the evidence was provided. I was willing to hear evidence if it was provided. There's not a lot of evidence provided. Okay? I'm not one of the people who is saying that I don't trust results of elections. I am saying I will not trust the results of future elections if they are done under the auspices of this garbage bill. It's going to be very difficult to trust elections when you are literally just registering voters on the same day as they change their names and addresses and those ballots are not counted as provisionals. If that alone is enough to undermine voter integrity. And meanwhile, our, our masters of control in the federal government, they are now deeming that you can have at least a little bit, a little bit of freedom if you get vaccinated. According to the CDC, the vaccinated can get together in small groups alone. Rochelle Walensky, who is the, the politically motivated head of the CDC, remember, she at one point said that teachers didn't need to get be vaccinated in order to get back to school. And then she was undercut by Joe Biden, right? Because don't worry, this is the administration of science. Walensky spells out the new CDC standard with regard to vaccinations. If you and a friend or you and a family member are both vaccinated, you can have dinner together, wearing masks without distancing. You can visit your grandparents if you have been vaccinated and they have been too. CDC recommends that fully vaccinated people can visit with unvaccinated people from one other household indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing as long as the unvaccinated people and any unvaccinated members of their household are not at high risk for severe COVID-19 disease. Okay, I mean, this is, it makes no sense. None of this makes any sense. Okay, if the CDC is saying that fully vaccinated people can gather indoors with others who are fully vaccinated in small groups, why in small groups? Why not in big groups? Everyone's vaccinated. Okay, so there's that. Why is it that I can get together in a small group with, a, with, with people who are unvaccinated not knowing whether they have COVID? If you're afraid that I'm going to give them COVID, I shouldn't be getting together with them at all because they're unvaccinated. And if they are going to give me COVID, then why should it only be one household? None of this makes any sense. The real standard should be, if you're vaccinated, you can go live your life and we can all get back to normal. That should be the standard. Everybody knows it. Even folks on the left are recognizing how nonsensical these standards are. What are they really designed to do? What they're really designed to do is give the ability for teachers unions to say, even if our teachers are vaccinated, they can't be back in schools. That's really what this is about. Because under these standards, if teachers are vaccinated, they still can't be back in schools, right? Teachers with a bunch of unvaccinated students. Remember, students can't be vaccinated. These vaccines have not been cleared for kids. Okay, if, if teachers are in the school, they are by definition now violating the rules of the CDC. They are in the presence of multiple household members who are unvaccinated, which violates the CDC standard. So even if teachers are vaccinated, they can't teach. That is the purpose here. That is the, that is the implicit goal here. Even CNN's medical analysts were like, this makes no sense. Here was, uh, here is, was Leanna Wen making the case that this is idiocy. This is one of these examples where I think the CDC is being far overly cautious in a way that defies common sense. Because look at what they're saying about quarantine. So they're saying that if somebody knowingly is exposed to an individual with COVID-19 and they're fully vaccinated, they don't need to test or get quarantined. If you're sitting on a plane, you're not necessarily sitting next to people with COVID-19. You're wearing right. a mask. Ideally, you're keeping distanced. And so it, does, it just doesn't make sense that you can't travel, especially if you now can get together with loved ones. Okay, none of it makes any sense because one of the CDC standards is you're not supposed to travel either. So basically, the CDC is just pulling this directly out of their own rectum. That's all this is. They're just pulling it out of their, their own butts. Apparently, the original CDC standard said vaccinated people can travel. And then apparently, the reason that there was a delay in the CDC standards being released is because the politicos at the head of the Biden administration got involved. 
and decide to reset the standard. Don't worry, guys. This is the party of science. All they care about is the science. That's all they care about. It's amazing. Meanwhile, as I say, the goal here really is to keep teachers out of schools because the teachers unions don't want to be back in schools. How do we know this? Well, here was the United Teachers LA president, Cicely Meyer-Cruz, openly stating that if you reopen schools, you are a racist. If you condition funding on the reopening of schools, that money will only go to white and wealthier schools that do not have the transmission rates that low-income black and brown communities do. This is a recipe for propagating structural racism, and it is deeply unfair to the students we serve. So in other words, we don't want to go back to school. And if you condition funding on us going back to school, then everybody's going to go to the wealthier private schools. Yes, they are, which is why you should go back to school. It's why you should go back to school. But again, the Biden administration is just making excuses for their political allies, as always. This child tax credit routine is designed in order to shore up a voting base. Their CDC standards are designed in order to shore up a voting base. We are watching a radical redefinition of the relationship between the individual and government. It's being done under the auspices of COVID, even, by the way, as we are now experiencing the slowest spread of COVID cases since the pandemic began, with the broadest seating, right? Just remember, a couple of months ago, we were seeing 300,000 new cases every single day diagnosed in the United States. And we know that for every diagnosed case, there are probably another four or five cases minimum that were out there. It's probably a million new cases a day of COVID were happening in the United States. And yet now we are at the lowest rate ever. And Biden is out there still talking as though we're in crisis. Why? Because crisis is opportunity. Crisis is always opportunity for these people. According to, according to the Bloomberg News, with the U.S. vaccination effort picking up speed, new COVID cases in the U.S. rose 1.5% in the weekend at Sunday, the slowest increase since the pandemic began almost a year ago. The U.S. reported 420,000 infections for the week after recording 471,000 cases in the prior seven days, according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University and Bloomberg. The percentage gain was the smallest since Bloomberg began tracking cases in January of 2020. Some of this is the vaccinations. A lot of this is herd immunity. A lot of people have already had COVID. Many of those people are asymptomatic. This is why all the stupid headlines you see about, oh my God, spring break, they're gonna party in Florida. Yeah, they did last summer. You know what happened? Nothing. Remember how Tampa Bay was going to turn into a COVID hotspot after the Super Bowl and it didn't? You know why? Because we are getting very close to herd immunity in wide areas of the United States. But this can never be admitted. And so the CDC, which is a political tool of the Biden administration at this point, they're just going to keep saying that you have to socially distance and wear masks because, again, the point is not saving lives at this point. The point is to continue to perpetuate a feeling of crisis that requires massive government interventionism. That is the goal here. It is perfectly obvious from every available angle. So just recognize that there are, that the Democratic agenda requires it requires a facade. Either the facade is a crisis that requires a wartime mobilization or the facade is a genial old man who can't string together a paragraph. Those are the facades. Because if you ever got a gander at their actual policy, like boys are girls and girls are boys, or an actual policy like, what if we just paid everybody to stay home and not do anything and also incentivize people not to keep fathers in the home? Or what if we just completely opened our southern border? If you actually got a gander at those sorts of policies, you might start to doubt the policy. So instead, Follow along as Joe Biden eats ice cream and look at his loving relationship with his wife, the greatest doctor in the world, Dr. Joe Biden. And also, aren't we in the middle of the world's worst crisis? Not on the border where we actually have a crisis, but, you know, in in terms of COVID, even though we have the slowest spread since the beginning of the pandemic, it's still a crisis. They need the, the misdirection. The misdirection is that Joe Biden is a moderate unifier 
and that we are in the middle of a COVID crisis. Neither of those things are true. Neither of those things are true. Now, here's the thing. This does mean they are reliant on the crisis. So if you see through it, if you see the crisis is not there and that Joe Biden is not a moderate unifier and also that Joe Biden is just a facade for this stuff, then the entire facade collapses, which is what they are most anxious to avoid. All righty, we'll be back here later today for an additional hour of content. Coming up soon, the Matt Walsh Show airing at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. A new online trend has some people declaring themselves super straight. BLM protesters fight against racism by harassing little girls on their way to a cheerleading competition. Minneapolis braces for rioting as the Derek Chauvin trial begins. And lonely people have given rise to a new trend, cow cuddling. We'll discuss that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Hey, 